Hi, my name is Erin. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission broadcast. This is episode number three. We're a group of folks who identify with who Jesus is and even have a strong faith in Him, but can't seem to figure out why so many Christians do or say the things that seem to be so opposed to the Jesus we read about in the Bible. We're looking to be more honest, more graceful, more humble, more loving, and more inclusive. The word maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The maison mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. So we want to welcome you on this journey with us as we discover what this maison mission really could be together. You can find out more about the maison mission in the description of this broadcast. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today that you love us and take care of us and just for this season of anticipation and hope while we're waiting uh, to celebrate Jesus being born, the Savior for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning and welcome to Maison Mission. We are in the season of Advent and this is the third week where we are anticipating and preparing and waiting and watching uh, for the arrival of Jesus as a baby, as we do every year, but also in the future when he will return and set things right. I've recently made a a discovery about myself. Uh, Given some time alone, a set of headphones and my phone, I've realized that given the choice between listening to music or a a podcast, a TED talk, or, or even a sermon, more and more I am opting to listen to the podcast or the TED talk or the sermon. And it reminded me of being a kid riding around Metro Atlanta with my dad. And the, the man rarely played music. It was, it was always some kind of talk radio. And I remember he used to have a subscription to certain preachers and we would listen to their tapes. And I thought, what in the world is he doing? There's good music out there that we could be listening to, but we never listened to it. And so I don't know if this means that I'm just becoming like my dad or I'm getting wiser or just getting old, but it's probably one of those things, and it may be all three. And I was recently listening to uh, a pastor that I, I found. He pastors a church up in South Bend, uh, Indiana, called South Bend City Church. And his name is Jason. And they're doing some, some awesome work up there. And I was listening to a sermon where they uh, were clear about how they define the word gospel. And gospel is a kind of a churchy word that many of us grew up with that actually means good news. And they're not changing that definition, but the way that it plays out for them is really beautiful. This is what they say is gospel or good news, is that God is rampantly available to everyone everywhere. God is rampantly available to everyone everywhere. And I've added a little comma to add no matter what. There is no matter what, God is rampantly available to you, to me, to those who least suspect that he is available to them. Now, the gospel may be more than that, but I am sure that it's not less than that. And my mind goes to Matthew chapter 5, and there's this teaching that Jesus does, and they're known as the Beatitudes. And he starts out, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I used to think that the poor in spirit were just sad or melancholy people, but that's not what that means. It means blessed are those who could not be farther from God. They have chosen to reject God at every turn. They don't want anything to do with God. 
God is on the side of those people. And those are Jesus' words. And it affirms to me that God is rampantly available to everyone everywhere, no matter what. And we're going to look at a passage today from Isaiah chapter 61. And it was written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And it, it's, it's a passage that's known as a messianic prophecy. It, it was foretelling uh, the, the future a little bit, but also foretelling to the people who were originally hearing it. It was meaningful for them in that moment, and then meaningful hundreds of years later when Jesus came on the scene. And so this is what the passage says. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and then the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, I love this passage in Isaiah 61 because there's a an unbelievable story actually in Luke chapter 4 where this exact passage is, is read by Jesus. And we're told in Luke chapter 4, you can go read this, that Jesus had returned to his hometown of Nazareth, and he was attending synagogue, as was his custom. And so he was there, and he stood up to do the reading for the day. He was going to read the scripture, and so someone handed him the scroll. He unrolled it to Isaiah 61, and he read almost those exact words. He read those exact words, except he left out the part about in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So he said all the other stuff about he had been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He, he said that stuff, but he left out the part about vengeance from God. And it's really interesting. When Jesus got done uh, reading the scroll, uh, he rolled it back up and he sat down and we're told that, that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But that's not where the story ends. Jesus doesn't stop while he's ahead. He, he continues going. And in Luke chapter 4, we have these words. He says, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Now, they had just said really nice things about him, uh, but he's saying, no, prophets aren't accepted in their hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus reads those words, and what followed next was not them continuing to speak well of him and being amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. What they actually tried to do was murder Jesus right there on the spot. They, they tried to get him and throw him off of a cliff. Now, I've preached some sermons that tick people off. Uh, they walked out of the room. They, I could tell by their body language they were not digging what I was saying. I've yet to have anyone try to murder me after a sermon. So what was going on there? Well, the people that Jesus was speaking to, they knew that the passage that he read from was speaking about a Messiah that was going to come and rescue 
God's people. And so uh, they were excited when he said, hey, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Because that's what he said. He said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's what they were excited about. But he didn't stop there. Because he left out the part about vengeance against Israel's enemy. He, he, didn't, he didn't say anything about it. And one of my favorite theologians, Tom Wright, said, Instead, he seems to have drawn on the larger picture in Isaiah and elsewhere, which speaks of Israel being a light to the nations. He is saying that he hasn't come to inflict punishment on the nations, but to bring God's love and mercy to them. And so the, the people got ticked off because what they wanted was vengeance on their enemies. But what Jesus seems to be saying through what he went on and said is that God, God has always been for everyone. Because there, there was a, a famine that went on and, and there were people who needed help, but God chose to help someone who was outside uh, the family of Israel. There were all kinds of people who had leprosy, this, this terrible skin disease that, that were within the tribe, but God reached outside of the tribe to bring healing. And so these people got so ticked off that, that God's grace was too big, too much. His love, His mercy was for everyone that they wanted to, to murder Jesus. My goodness, can you imagine if it caused that much anger on the side of the people who thought that God's love and mercy was just for them? Can you imagine what it would feel like to be on the other side of that? To think that you are outside the reach of God's love and mercy and then to find out that there is more than enough for you, that God is rampantly available to you no matter where you are, no matter what. All of this scripture reminds me of a story that I came across years ago, and I find a way to weave it into a sermon every Advent season, every year. And I figure at my funeral, people will make fun of me for reading this story every single year, but I love it. And it was written in December of 2008 by Rick Riley. And I believe it was originally posted in, in Sports Illustrated or ESPN. And so I'm going to read this to you. And I just, I just want you to listen to it. It's so, so good. He says, they played the oddest game in high school football history last month down in Grapevine, Texas. It was Grapevine Faith versus Gainesville State School, and everything about it was upside down. For instance, when Gainesville came out to take the field, the Faith fans made a 40-yard spirit line for them to run through. Did you hear that? The other team's fans. They even made a banner for players to crash through at the end. It said, Go Tornadoes, which is also weird because Faith was the Lions. It was rivers running uphill and cats petting dogs. More than 200 Faith fans sat on the Gainesville side and kept cheering the Gainesville players on by name. I never in my life thought I'd hear people cheering for us to hit their kids. Recall Gainesville's quarterback and middle linebacker Isaiah. I wouldn't expect another parent to tell somebody to hit their kids, but they wanted us to. And even though Faith walloped them 33-14, to 14, the Gainesville kids were so happy after the game, they gave head coach Mark Williams a sideline squirt, squirt bottle shower like he just won state. It's got to be the first Gatorade bath in history for an 0-9 coach. 
But then you saw 12 uniformed officers escorting the 14 players off the field, and two and two started to make four. They lined the players up in groups of five, handcuffs ready in their back pockets, and marched them to the team bus. That's because Gainesville is a maximum security correctional facility 75 miles north of Dallas. Every game it plays is on the road. This all started when Faith head coach Chris Hogan wanted to do something kind for the Gainesville team. Faith had never played Gainesville, but he already knew the score. After all, Faith was 7-2 going into the game. Gainesville was 0-8 with two touchdowns all year. Faith has 70 kids, 11 coaches, the latest equipment, and involved parents. Gainesville has a lot of kids with convictions for drug, assault, and robbery, many of whose families had disowned them wearing seven-year-old shoulder pads and ancient helmets. So Hogan had this idea. What if half our fans, for one night only, cheered for the other team? He, sound, he sent out an email asking the faithful to do just that. Here's the message I want you to send, Hogan wrote. You are just as valuable as any person on planet Earth. Some people were naturally confused. One faith player walked into Hogan's office and asked, Coach, why are we doing this? And Hogan said, imagine if you didn't have a home life. Imagine if everybody had pretty much given up on you. Now imagine what it would mean for hundreds of people suddenly to believe in you. Next thing you know, the Gainesville Tornadoes were turning around on their bench to see something they never had before. Hundreds of fans and actual cheerleaders. I thought maybe they were confused, said Alex, a lineman. They started yelling defense, defense when their team had the ball. I said, what? Why are they cheering for us? It was a strange experience for boys who most people cross the street to avoid. We can tell people are a little afraid of us when we come to the game, says Gerald, a lineman who will wind up doing more than three years. You can see it in their eyes. They're looking at us like we're criminals. But these people, they were yelling for us by our names. Maybe it figures that Gainesville played better than it had all season, scoring the game's last two touchdowns. Of course, this might be because Hogan put his third-string nose guard at safety and his third-string cornerback at defensive end, but still. After the game, both teams gathered in the middle of the field to pray, and that's when Isaiah surprised everybody by asking to lead. We had no idea what the kid was going to say, remembers Coach Hogan, but, but Isaiah said this, Lord, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you, but I never would have known. There were so many people in the world that cared about us. And it was a good thing everybody's heads were bowed because they might have seen Hogan wiping away tears. As the tornadoes walked back to their bus under guard, they each were handed a bag for the ride home. A burger, some fries, a soda, some candy, a Bible, and an encouraging note from a faith player. The Gainesville coach saw Hogan, saw Hogan, grabbed him hard by the shoulders and said, you'll never know what your people did for these kids tonight. You'll never, ever know. As the bus pulled away, all the Gainesville players crammed to one side and pressed their hands to the windows, staring at these people they'd never met before, watching their waves and smiles disappearing into the night. Anyway, with the economy six feet under and Christmas running on about three and a half reindeer, it's nice to know that one of the best presents you can give is still absolutely free, hope. Ah oh, man, that story right there, that's gospel come to life.
this idea that, that there are hundreds of people behind these prisoners, cheering them on by name. It's just an image that I see of, of God standing behind us, each and every one of us, no matter who we are, where we're at, what we think of Him, cheering us on, beckoning us to Him, desiring for us to be in relationship with Him. So Maison, may we be reminded in this season of preparation, of waiting, of watching, that God is rampantly available to everyone, everywhere, no matter what. He has come to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom and release from darkness. This is good news, that God is for us and God is with us. Amen. A few reminders before you go. We've partnered up with our friends at Borderland Mission and other faith communities from around the world to publish a daily Advent devotional series. A new one is released every day on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Make sure to like and subscribe. This broadcast is made possible by the financial support and donations from people like you. Maison Mission is a church. If you would like to support the mission with a one-time gift or on a reoccurring basis, we have a giving link in the broadcast details. Thank you in advance for your support of the Maison Mission. Join us next week for our last episode in this series, Hopeful Expectations. Take care and God bless you.